I also say good evening, and I'd like to hear a response on that. Good evening. Good evening. Amen. Uh, how many of you ever saw me before? Two, three, four, okay. Um, so, I haven't seen many of you, and that doesn't really matter. Actually, it really makes it good. Because my goal is that the Spirit of God would descend upon your heart, and if, if I step on your toes, or the message steps on your toes, then the Holy Spirit missed his mark by about 50 inches. I'm aiming for your heart. Is that okay? Um, tonight, um, the message on de the depravity of sin is not a message that I like to preach. I'm going to be honest with you. Tonight when we get done, you're going to think it's all negative. It's really a negative message. It's a message that... Um, but I also find it very interesting, uh, Genesis 3 is probably going to be one of the most important chapters that you ever learn to understand in the Bible. Understand what happened. If we don't get it, then we don't have it. Uh, Paul, in the book of Romans, teaches us about, it's the constitution of salvation, uh, especially we get into chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8. Uh, he tells us how we're saved by grace through faith. Uh, he tells us uh, many things there. But prior to going there, and that's a little where we're going to head tonight, is in chapter 1, he inserts a long session. He starts out a little bit about salvation, but at about verse 18, he intercedes there, and starts a long session of the depravity of man without Christ. Why do you suppose he put it there for? There's a reason. Uh, tonight, if you would, you can turn your Bibles to uh, Genesis chapter 1. I probably won't bring anything new to you. I don't know. I mean, I, sometime this week, I, my heart goes out to young people, and I'll tell you why. I don't really have time tonight. We have quite a long session. But God bless you if you are in his kingdom. Now, I, I, I don't really like to ask if you're born again. It's too easy to answer that question. But I do like to ask, which kingdom are you functioning in? It tells the story. There's only two of them. But we're going to talk about that tomorrow night, hopefully. Uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, this is what the Bible says. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. 
Verse 27, so God created, in, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Now, let's look at that verse a little bit. I don't know what you picture when you picture the Garden of Eden. And I don't know what you picture when you think of Adam and Eve. But when there's, a, there's something, the end of chapter 2 says how they were in the garden, how he created Eve out of this, the rib out of Adam's side. Um, and I'm not going to go through that, but the end of chapter 2 says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Okay, these two were in the garden. They didn't have clothes on, okay? Their bodies were naked. But let's just, before I talk about it, let's go on to chapter 3 a little bit. We're going to intercede there. We know what God told Adam not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In the day that you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Okay? Now, that's a Bible truth. It's almost repeated in Romans 8. If you live after the flesh, you shall die. You see, there's the, Jesus Christ said, I am the truth and the way and the life. But there are thousands of little truths in the Bible, and what do we do with them? If we think of, do I really believe if I live after the flesh, I'm going to die? Do I really believe? Did he really mean what he said there? Think about it. Did he mean what he said here? Now, we go on, the serpent beguiled Eve, and what I want to come to here is, uh, in the title of my message tonight, it has two questions. Brother shared about some questions, and I have two questions as a title, and they go like this, they're not very long, where art thou, and who told you? God asked man questions in the Bible. He asked man questions, but when God asks you a question, I don't know what happens in your prayer closet. I don't know what happens in your private room at home where you pray with God, where you spend time alone. But at times, if we're really silent, God will ask you some questions. And when he asks you some questions, he's not asking because he doesn't know the answer. He's asking you to get you to acknowledge what the answer is and to acknowledge where you're at. Now the thing here, uh, we, Adam and Eve, Eve ate, she gave it to Adam, and what the interesting part of it is here, and, and here they, they, after they ate the fruit, the, the verse 7 says in Genesis 3, their eyes of them both were opened. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and Eve hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called, Adam, called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And God said, who told you that you was naked? 
Okay, number, the first thing I like to bring across, and this, this is a portion as an introduction to where sin came into the world, okay? Sin didn't start there, but sin came. This is the first time that sin entered the world. And, and I'm not going to go much into that. However, um, here was God. He created man, and, we, and the Bible says that they were both naked, and they were in the garden they were not ashamed. Now, he created, one thing we're missing, what we often miss in here, is God created man in his own image and in his own likeness. What do we see there? We see God, he created man with a shroud of glory over him. He was naked, but he was not uncovered. He was not exposed. Adam Prior to the fall, brothers and sisters, he didn't know anything about evil. He only knew the glory of God and the, and the communion and the, 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 the relationship that he was created for, God had with man, just like he wanted. You see, there's a couple of things Adam knew here. Adam was pretty wise, but here he knew he also... He knew that God is going to come through the garden in the cool of the day. He knew that. And he knew the voice of the Lord. You see, there was intimate relationship there. But, he, but here, when, when, he dis, when he disobeyed the very command that God gave him, all at once, Adam was like, Oh, I, I'm exposed. It's, it's, it's gone. And, and, we, and, and he runs behind the bushes and they attempt to cover. Does that sound a little familiar? Today, if you, if you realize sin will always have an element of hiding along beside it. There's always hiding as an element that goes with sin. There's another element. And man still does these things today. There is uh, sin will always have an element of hiding and always have an element of attempting to fix it ourselves. Always. And here we have, here's Adam uh, take, trying, trying his best to take care of the problem. He hides himself. He's afraid. And you know... Uh, <clears throat> I don't, I don't know about you, but, but throughout this week, I, I, I encourage you. Uh, it, was brought, it was brought forth a little today of, of uh, uh, areas in our hearts that, that may not have been cleansed, or are we hiding something? You know, if we're, if we're hiding something, and then with our lips we say we have peace with God, these two can't coincide. There's no way. Because when I'm hiding something, I'm also attempting to fix it by keeping it hidden. You know, I often think of Achan. You know, he stole this thing that he was told not to take. He took it home. He hid it in his tent, covered it with ground. What do you think he was thinking? What do you, what do you think he thought after that? You think he thought, you know, I, you know I, the problem's dealt with. It's good. It's covered. Nobody knows. I'm good. And... and I don't know if he had, I don't know if he, you see, the devil makes us believe that we have peace 
when we really don't have peace. And I'm not, try, I'm not trying to put doubt in your heart. If you are free, that's, bless the Lord. But at the same time, uh, here, we, here we see where he said, uh, uh, he comes to Adam, he says, where are you? Adam said, I'm afraid. I'm naked. I'm, I'm hiding. Well, who told you that you're naked? Who told you? And brothers and sisters, who told you that you can have hidden sin and be okay with God? Whose message is that? That's not God. That comes from the devil making us believe that we heard a, 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 a the brother shared this afternoon, we, we often use a phrase, well, what's wrong with that? You know what's wrong with that? It's that question that's wrong. It's the wrong question. It's not the question to ask. We as Christians, I don't believe as, as, we, as we grow in our, we mature in the Lord, that questions like that will go away. It, it, it's the wrong question for a person who is walking with Christ. But that, anyway, as, a, uh, as an introduction there, as, as where are you and who told you that what you're believing is okay? Now, there's a, right, there's a, there's a positive side to that as well. If, if what you're believing is, coincides with Scripture, it's truth. It's truth. If what you're believing is backed up with the Holy Word of God, that's, that's your basis. That's your fundamental truth that will never move. That's the, that's the way, uh, and, and that's why it's such a blessing to be able to back up my faith with the Word of God. Your faith with the Word of God. It's, it's, the, end, it's the end of the argument, okay? But anyway, <clears throat> we are... We are now, since that, just to make a point clear tonight, since the fall of man, since uh, the shroud of glory was taken away from Adam, and he was exposed, he was naked, he was uncovered in the presence of God. Now, brothers and sisters, if, and there are many, there are many, who are going to appear before the throne of God and attempting to explain to God why I did what I did. Arguing, appealing, and their mouth will be stopped. But it, can, it should be stopped now. Now is the time of grace. Now is the time when the Lord God is reaching out and, and attempting to, to, uh, to aid us and, and we, look at, we look at this, uh, <clears throat> and, and since the fall of man, all men have come under that curse. You were born that way. You were born that way with a, a depraved spirit. Um, re, uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2 before we go on with the message uh, where he says, and, I, and I, again, I think you know what we're going to read. <clears throat> But it says here in Ephesians chapter 2, the first three, two, three verses, And you hath he quickened, 
who were dead in trespasses and sins. Okay, um, <clears throat> I see you have a little bit of a diagram of that over there on the other board, but we're going to do that a little tonight as well. Um, And we won't talk a lot about that tonight, but we are made up as as God uh, as God in heaven is three persons. Okay, we agree with that. That the Father is God, Jesus Christ is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. Okay, we got that down, <laughs> and that's necessary. You know, um, but He is three persons, and I'm not here to explain how one can be three. But there's no schisms, there is no divisions, that, that uh, there are three offices. Uh, we heard tonight that the Father is on the throne, the Son is at his right hand of the throne of God, sitting there, except when he rises to receive a saint who has died. Now also, but now the Spirit of God is the third person of the Trinity, which is the only one of that Godhead that is here on earth. He, is, he proceedeth from the throne of God, sent forth by God, who is here on earth, leaving us not fatherless, not without a teacher, not without a guide, and he, therefore, we are without excuse as well. Um, I think about that often, and, and sometimes I like to ask God questions too, but we won't go there tonight. But it's okay to ask God questions to what he... Um, but here he says that, okay, since the fall of man... Now, I've, I've been uh, very much challenged in, the, in some of this teaching already. I, I met a man here a while back that will, will profoundly teach you that man is not born with a sinful nature. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I th sometimes thought while we were debating back and forth that uh, we're probably saying the same thing, but we, we, didn't, we didn't come to an agreement. But the fact is that unless we understand, the same, same as I was talking about the Godhead, we are made up of three parts as well. We have a body and we have a soul and we have a spirit. Now, if the spirit of God is God, then the spirit of man is man. The spirit of God is God himself, then the spirit of man is man himself. And the spirit of man is the very inner part of what, uh, of what Jesus said that cometh forth from the heart. And we're born, we are born in Ephesians 2, it says here that we are born in trespasses and sin. That means a spirit, when I exited my mother's womb, my spirit, as my spirit, the very inner part of me, was dead. It has no heartbeat. Now, you'll, you'll, hear, you'll still hear grown Christians say, uh, well, I say Christians, but you'll say grown men. Okay, let me ask you this. I, I think I heard out here today, somebody said about music, uh, it draws... Uh, it draws the people in, even if it's ungodly. 
Is that right? It does. Yeah, it does. Very much so. And I'm not going to talk about music, but the thing is, what you're going to find in all that is there, there, the, the vast majority that of the world around us, there is, look at, look at the situation. When you see a man loaded down with tattoos, you see a man that has continually committed adultery, fathering children from five or ten women, and, and going on, and, 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 and whatever else you want to mention. Then you, then you see man marrying man, and woman marrying woman, and you see all that. There's, a, there's an emptiness that they're seeking to fill. And, and, and there's an emptiness they're seeking to find, and that emptiness is right in here, which only the Spirit of God desires to break through and fill. But we're not going to talk about that tonight so much. I just want to bring that out as a point of what we are made of, that, that spirit of man is born empty. It is dead in trespasses and sins. It, is, uh, it says here, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and you walked following the devil, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also you all had your conversations in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, that were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That's how you were born. That's how I was born. And to come to recognize what, what it takes, but we're going we're gonna, to, just to point that out, there's other scriptures that would go with that, and I have a handout tonight. If one of the brothers want to hand that out to you, we're going to go down through there a little bit and uh, uh, walk through what God has. And like I said, there would be, there's more to say on that, but tonight is the negative side of things, okay? That's what we're going to talk about. Um, tonight, <clears throat> with the handout you have, there's a brother shared with that us uh, several months ago at our congregation, and I asked him if I could use that, and I used it several times already, and it's been a blessing to me, and I hope it blesses you as well. This is a downward path of sinful depravity. There is a downward path. Uh, path or downward uh, aggression. There's a downward tendency. Uh, sin will always have this effect on you. Sin will always take you where you never planned to go. Sin never gets done with you. Sin is okay with just the tip of your finger to start with. Uh, I know I've been there. I've been, I was young at one time, believe it or not. And I, I know what it's like to be in the grips of the enemy. I know what it's like to want loose and not have any idea how to do it. Uh, even attempting to uh, thinking taking your life was, was, the, was the answer. But uh, God be praised that, the, that he opened up the way for me. Um, and I'll have a little sometime maybe this week have somewhat on that as well. 
Um, but tonight, there are, I only have seven steps of moral depravity, and you notice that the line you have in your paper, the general de degrade, degrade is a little bit uh, easy to start with, but the more that man gets into it, the steeper the hill becomes until it's straight down into the pool of all kinds of unrighteousness. Now, this is the direction, and tonight Paul starts in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, and he ends this whole session in Romans chapter 3, verse 20. The interesting part of it is, we, we are tonight, we are going into, this is, I tried to draw a front of a courthouse, and uh, we're going into a courthouse as a man that either he's a heathen, or he's a hypocrite, or he's a Hebrew that doesn't want to change his life. Okay? That's what Paul, Paul writes here. And it's interesting that he has 15 verses regarding to the heathen. And a heathen, a definition of a heathen, is anyone who rejects Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He is a heathen. He is, he is of the kingdom of the world. He is not of the kingdom of Christ. You know, the question is not tonight, do you believe on Jesus? The question is, have you received Jesus Christ? In receiving Jesus Christ, you receive the entirety of his pa package. And that along with is not only a profession, but a practice that will measure up to what you profess. Now, I, I'm, I'm pretty strong on that, and, and I don't know where you're all at on that, but if we can't apply what God teaches us and gives us understanding, I don't know how God can bless you further. If I refuse to apply what I know, I'm going to miss out. And there's a whole lot of things we know. Now, we're going to, but, but the interesting part of it is, there's 15 verses that he spends talking about the heathen. There are almost twice as many verses, 29 verses, that he talks about the hypocrite. Interesting, is it not? And there's nine verses that he talks about the Hebrew that refused to change his ways. But anyway, here in, here in this, uh, we're going to start, we're going to work our way down through there, and here we're going to, we enter, we're going to take the heathen into the courtroom of Almighty God, okay? The judge in here is a righteous judge. He is God himself, and the jury, he doesn't need a jury because he, the jury is the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And the heathen is going to enter the courtroom. Anybody know what this is? It's a balance scale. What does that do? It outweighs. See which side is heavier. So we're going to put God on one side, and we're going to put a heathen on the other side. We're going to see how it, how it balances out. Believe it or not, uh, just a little short note, in 1996, I was... Uh, a young bishop in an, in an Amish church at that time, and I remember I was searching God. And I remember clearly that night, I never met the man since. He doesn't have the color of skin that I have. He was a black man, visited my home, and I was, I was battling with these scriptures. I was battling with what it said, and I was battling with what I was brought up with and what, I, what it said in here, and I couldn't come to a conclusion. That night, I, I remember this man was sitting in my driveway. He had a Bible on his dash, and I just made a comment. I said, so you're a believer. Well, he was a Baptist, and he didn't take long to explain to me how he believed, and he believed that he, when he died, if he would die tonight, he would go to heaven. 
Well, I was feeling pretty good about myself, but then he asked me, how do you believe? And I brought this balance scale version out. I said, you know, I, we believe that we hope that we do the best we can, and then on that day we hope our good will outweigh our bad. This man came off his seat, and I'll never forget it, and he, he, he turned to Ephesians chapter 2, and he read to me verse 7, 8, and 9. And he just pounded it home for about 15 minutes. And then when he left, I, 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 concluded, with the, I concluded that night that, you know what, that's, he's a Baptist, we're Amish, they, that's what they believe, we just, we just, but you know, God wasn't going to let me go that easy. And for about two weeks, I fought that thing, and I can take you to the spot where my wife and I knelt down, gave our hearts to the Lord. I was done fighting. I was, the, fight is, the fight's over. You can appeal to God. You can fight Him all you want to. God doesn't let you go, even as a Christian. Even as a Christian. Brothers and sisters, there's times when He needs to take me to the cross before I'll listen to what He says. He loves to take me to the garden. But in the garden, he'll never give up until it's his way. He's a righteous judge, okay? He has the right, for he is God. Okay, this Hebrew, this heathen comes in to the courtroom, and he's there, and we're going to find out where he stands, okay? Now, the first step of the moral depravity of this man is, is verse 18. It says, and I'm just going to go pick out the phrases, he holds the truth in unrighteousness. Now, that's interesting. He holds the truth in unrighteousness. In other words, okay, we talked about it. Okay, he read a truth. He understands what it says. He comprehends the meaning, and, but he oppresses it. it. It will affect his life if he accepts the truth that he knows it will change his life, and he knows it. Or she knows it. If I, if I accept the truth that I just understood, I'm going to have to let go of this, this, or this. So I oppress it. I keep it away. I, 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 just, I just want to put it back there. I put it out of my mind. It's kind of like uh, uh, my, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law still live. Diane's parents still live. They're 85 and 83 years old. We've shared with him several times, and it wasn't too long ago that uh, Diane's mother has, uh, she has dementia somewhat, and kind of going downhill, she's fought leukemia quite some time. Wasn't too long ago, Diane asked her if uh, she ever thought about, you know, dying. And she said, well, I do, but I try to quickly think of something else. You see that? Holding the truth and unrighteousness. See, you see, there's, there's a way, sometimes there's way more we know than we will admit. We oppress the truth, and, 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 and in your case, being, okay, I'm assuming that you're all in the kingdom of Christ, okay? That's how I'm going to talk to you tonight. I don't know where you stand, I have no idea, but I'm assuming that. I shouldn't assume. Is that wrong, Joe? Okay, all right. Well, well we're going to assume that, okay? So if you're in the kingdom of Christ, and now... But see, as you come into the kingdom of Christ, God, that's just the start of it. 
God has the rest of your life to walk in that kingdom. And as you walk and are obedient and listen and understand, He wants to show you more and more and more. And every time He shows you, I don't know what your names are, but He says, just give it to me. Give it to me. And I remember one time I told my wife, I said, I don't, I'm not sure what more he can take away, but, you know, it's okay if he just takes everything. He, God just wants it all. You know, he, he says it and here, but if a truth, sometimes we don't understand the truth. Okay, the truth we brought up tonight. If you live after the flesh, you shall die. Do I believe it? Do I understand it? Do I comprehend what he says? How does it affect me? How do I respond to it? it makes all the difference. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. I'm not going there tonight, but there are three pairs of verses there. 5 and 6, 7 and 8, 9 and 10. 5 is a truth, 6 is a response, 7 is a truth, 8 is a response, 9 is a truth, and 10 is a response. And every one of those responses start with, if we say. God said, but if we say. Okay, if what I say don't correspond with what God says, am I changing God's truth? Will I change it? No. If I live after the flesh, will I die? Yes, I will die. I will die. That's the truth. So if I know it, and I, I can't hold that truth in unrighteousness, I can't hold it away. I need to accept it. I need to receive it. I need to believe it. I need to act upon it. This is the first step of a, but, but when, as long as I'm oppressing it, my, my motion is going, starting downhill. I have listened to one sin. I have received to the first step of moral depravity. I'm going down, okay? Now the next step is in uh, verses 19 through 20. And this is a heathen again. He's in the courtroom. And he is, uh, he, because he may, here we find the guilt of mankind, that, and that it's universal, and that every man is without excuse. Okay? We often say, well, you know, how, how, what about these tribes or whatever have never heard? They are without excuse. Why? Here, well, listen to what he says. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. Now, on top of that, is the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead are understood. Now, creation in itself is only an awakening to a truth. It can save you. And I'm not going to explain a lot there, but at the same time, what he's saying here is, number one, God created every man. And with his creation, he also put a portion he put a body and a soul and a spirit there, and in that spirit, there is a longing that's created by God. It's a longing for fulfillment. 
created by God. And this is, and, and, and it, that's why, well, I better not start there either. Anyway, uh, here it, it's clearly seen that it, unless this man, he is ignoring the revelation of God. He is ignoring what God has created him to be, therefore, again, setting aside, I remember there was a little story of a, uh, of a, one of the rulers, I think it was in Europe someplace, he, he made a comment to a peasant Christian. He said that we are going to wipe out all evidence of God. And this peasant told him in a silent voice, he said, well, my friend, then you're going to have to pull down the stars. You know, But it's like the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood. And again, I want to ask you, why are most crimes committed after dark? Is there an element of hiding? What is along with that element of hiding? Darkness, hiding, but what else? Trying to fix it. I don't know if they're trying to fix it, but there's guilt. Okay, you take a, a mug shot of somebody who was arrested. Uh, not too quick, they're standing there with a smile on their face. It's more like, you know, they have to look at the camera, but there's no expression. And, and a lot of times there, there's, a, there's a twist to the head where they're, they're, they're not wanting to be seen. What is that? They know they have sinned. They know they have done wrong. They're attempting to hide, and by escaping the law, attempting to fix it. So it doesn't matter who it is. They know. That's, that's creation. They know. So, but, but, but ignoring that, uh, ignore that, and now you continue to slide down. And, and the next step we talk about is verse 21. Because that when they knew God... They glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. There are three ways of rejection here. We see the, the one way they, when they knew God, they had a, they had a uh, the spirit was part in there, which is the conscience that awakens you to truth. And, and again, there's much to be talked about the conscience. Don't believe the statement. Let your conscience be your guide. Your conscience need to be brought, needs to be brought under the authority of the Holy Spirit. If it's not, it cannot be depended on. Because if you let your conscience be your guide, that in and of itself is not a true guide. Most of the time when you let your conscience be your guide, you will be comparing yourself among yourself, therefore making decisions by someone usually that's worse off than you. And it's not solid. It's not fundamental. So the conscience needs to be brought under the authority of the Holy Spirit. Your conscience is, uh, well, we, and, and again, we, we could go on there, but we're, we're just going to move ahead. Uh, they, they glorified, one of the, uh, the next rejection, they didn't glorify God as God, okay? Now, I don't know what happened in the Garden of Eden, but Adam knew that God was coming through. He knew the voice of God. He knew the commandment of God, but he, but he, didn't, listen to what, he didn't listen to what God said. However, he didn't acknowledge God as God. You know, uh, God is on the throne. It doesn't matter 
what man is it down here? Is it uh, uh, President Donald Trump? Is it Obama? It doesn't matter. God is God. He is setting up. He is taking down. He is, I, I often look at it like this way. He has these men by their head, and he is turning them the way that he will have them go. Now, what do you mean? Oh, well, yes, because some men are going to be used by God to, as, in, and as a vessel of dishonor. Okay? And some men will be used as a vessel of honor, and that's our choice. That's our choice. But if we choose, uh, we're, we're going to find out a little. And, and, and brothers, I can't water down the scriptures here. What it goes on further, it says here that they reject God for who he is, and they become, their imaginations rise up as a guide. Okay? Now, the imaginations rise up. The only thing that the guide, the only guide they have here is the five senses. They, the guide by what their eyes see, what their ears hear, what their nose smells, what their mouth tastes, and what their fingers touch. That's the only guide they have is the five senses. And brothers and sisters, those senses, those five senses are very good that we have them, but they are not to be trusted in, leader, in leading you in the Spirit of God. Because what does the world say? Sounds good. Go for it. Looks good. <laughs> Do it. Yeah, that's the, that's the term. You know, we, we can't use that. And, and God, and bless the Lord, we have another guide that has come down to guide us. The imagination of the heart rises up, and it, it's darkened, and it, it rules. It rules and, and regulates. Now, in verse, the next time, here at the break of your line, you'll see where the moral watershed of sin gets a little steeper. It starts with, when the, when the heathens, in verse 22 and 23, he professes himself to be wise and he becomes a fool. And he changes the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. <clears throat> As we speak, there are, I'm not sure, but a cow in India is sacred. Uh, there are probably, I think I read 200 million cattle roaming freely in India, wherever they want to go. Nobody can guide them or keep them in or pen them in, and by no means do you butcher a cow and eat the meat. So, and the amazing part of it is, and I'm not here to preach about them, okay? But I'm just bringing out a point that the fact is there are millions of their own people that are starving to death as these cattle roam freely because they're sacred. They are maybe grandma or grandpa or somebody that woke up from the dead or was reincarnated. Now, this is, this is and here I, I just bring that forth. These men here, as we talk about in 22 or 23, they really don't, they forsake worshiping God, but they don't forsake worship. Okay? They worship something. And, and it doesn't matter. You can go to most even, uh, even unreached tribes, and you'll find they'll worship something. Paul went to Athens, and here was a block of wood that said, the unknown God. Well, he, he preached the word of God there on Mars Hill, but then 
You go to Greece today and mythology is still widespread in the country of Greece. All kinds of myths and whatever. <clears throat> and here, so we have a man again, <clears throat> he has the understanding, his need to worship something. So here, here we have the moral uh, watershed where he, he worships something other than God. And it can be whatever he picks out, whatever he raises up. And, and again, I'm, I'm reminded, I think of uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4, where the imagination, uh, the strongholds rise up higher than God, and, and we, we allow them strongholds to get a further grip into our lives, and, and next thing they know, they're, they're, they're controlling us. But, but we're going to move on here, and here it, uh, in verse 24 and 25, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. God gave them up. What does that sound like to you? Do you think that's serious? You know, I, I wrestle with this a little bit. Men will say, well, as long as there's, whenever there's repentance, there's forgiveness. And I believe that. But brothers and sisters, when God gives up on you, or God gives you up, is how it's written. It's God saying, well, you know, well, the church at Thyatira, in Revelations, he talks a little bit there, and he says, I'm not sure what all it says, but he says, one thing I have against you, Jezebel's among you. She is seducing many. I have called her to repent. And I have called her to repent, and she repented not. I have given her over that her children will enter in, well, maybe I should just read it. I want to get it right here. <clears throat> Revelation, I think, chapter 3 or 2, probably 2. <clears throat> chapter 2, verse 20, notwithstanding, I'm jumping in here, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest the woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce, my servants, to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into the great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto you every one of you according to your works. That sound like love? That sound like a judge. Is he a righteous judge? Amen. 
We serve a loving God, but our God is a consuming fire as well. He has a line. We'll talk a little bit about that tomorrow night. But God says, nevertheless, I know them that are mine. There is a line, brothers and sisters. And on one side is the heathen, on the other side is the believer. There are two voices. One cannot lie. The other cannot say the truth. There's not a lot of voices to listen to. There's only two. There are two kings. And there are two kingdoms. Each king has his subjects. Each king is a ruler. And we'll talk about that a little tonight, uh, tomorrow night. But at the same time, here he says that, that, uh, that he gave them up to their vile affections, to their uncleanness. So, now they are given up to their uncleanness. God says, okay, you want it. I'm going to turn you loose. Go for it. Is what God says. Go for it. Live your life. You know, I, I, this is what, and, and this brings to mind, I, I remember uh, my brother-in-law, and I'm not going to bring, we, we, come from, we come from a community that drinking was very uh, prominent, alcohol, drugs, uh, uh, whatever else goes with that, and much alcohol was passed out when we had churches in our homes, and many of the married men would pass out drinking after the church was over with for the evening. They'd give their friends drinking. And I remember going to another uh, district, which was my brother-in-law, Diane's brother at church. We had gone there several years, and I remember the last time we were there, and they had gone out, they had decided to go uh, do their thing, and we were sitting there, a few of us men were sitting there that evening, and then these guys, these men come back in, their faces all red, and they're trying to act sober and all this, and I remember driving out of the lane that night, I told my wife, I said, Diane, I said, I don't know, I said, for 25 years, your brother Steve has now chosen the route that he wants to take. It's time that I choose as well. I cannot come back here again on a Sunday evening or even here for this district for church. I, I have to make a separation. Well, little did I know, a little few years, a few months down the road, I was excommunicated and didn't have to go back. But there's things like that. There's sometimes you, you try and you try and you try to help someone, but they continue to refuse. And brothers and sisters, one good measure to find out if this person wants help, check out if they have integrity. And by asking, by finding out if they have integrity is simply by, uh, and I'm not, we, we can't do this on a one-time situation, but if, uh, on a one-time visit, but at the same time, if that person doesn't want to change, there's not much that you can do. And, and yeah, well, well, we'll just go on. And now, now God doesn't, now in verse 26 and 27, and now says, for this cause, God gave them up, here it is again, unto the vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. We notice that this slide is getting real steep. And brothers and sisters, I didn't think that I would ever have to warn you 
against what we just read. But we live in a nation that this is rising up very strong, very prominent, to where I'm afraid some of our men and some of our women are wondering about it. I look back in the past, and I'm not that old, but at the same time, and I don't quite remember, I, I do remember when divorce and remarriage was quite a subject, but I don't remember when it actually was introduced in the United States of America. But I think it was in the 50s or the 60s in there where uh, it was quite a horrible thing when it happened. But you know, today, we kind of wink at that. Will your children wink at what we just read. Acts 20 was brought up today. It was the last time Paul was in church of Ephesus. It was where he was leaving. He preached to the sun rose that morning. They hung on his neck and they kissed him. But before he left, he spoke to the elders. He said, there's two things I want to tell you. I'm going to warn you. He said, men are going to come in in sheep clothing, but there are going to be wolves on the inside. They have one intent, to destroy the church, the flock that God has given you and bought with a price. The other warning, he said, in men inside your congregation will rise up to destroy. Brethren, don't think this can't happen. Not only in the United States, in Britain, in Europe as well. In Canada, it's stronger than here. The sect of people is rising up for attention. I remember when I was a young boy, we never knew of the word homosexuality. I never, all we knew was something's wrong, they're queer. But, you know, today it's, it's and all it is, it's nothing really new, but they're demanding their rights as well. And, and, and will it come? And, I, and I, I'm not here to, to send fear into you at all, but I'm here to warn you to stand strong now. Get a foundation established. Be rooted. Be grounded into the Word of God and know what the Word of God says. That your response can come from the Word of God. That you can stand firm and say, it is written. Argument over. It is written. Whatever it costs me, it doesn't matter. It's written. It is sin. No, we don't hate the sinner. But anyway, this is now on, down we go, and we read in verse 28, it says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. We notice now the line goes straight down. There's no way of stopping into the pool of unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, maliciousness, envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, the list goes on, unmerciful, without natural affection, covenant breakers, without understanding, disobedient to parents, inventors of evil things. And Paul could have wrote a longer list. <clears throat> But anyhow, going on, 
And, and this is what I, I just want to bring this to a conclusion. In chapter 2, we're not going to go through this. I just invite you. I don't have time to go through all, through all this. You can study it out. Look at it. Look what the, chapter 2 talks about, the hypocrite. And, and there I, I think there's 29 verses speaking of that. And if you think about that, he says here, you think, uh, thou therefore, in verse 21, you teachest another, teachest thou not thyself. Thou that preachest the man should not steal, do you steal? Thou that saith the man should not commit adultery, doest thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest the idols, do thou commit sacrilege and go on. You say this, but you do this. And brothers and sisters, if what I say and what I do doesn't line up, which one will you believe? What I do. You will have to believe what I do. Amen. If I preach against fornication, and, and if I stand here tonight and, I, uh, it, it, and, and then, then go practice it, you're, you're, you're going to say he, he was, he was a fa- he's false just by those actions. And therefore, by our actions, by our fruits, we know the man. Jesus said that. And if we, if we look at that, we, we think, uh, and, and it's warning against warning over that. And then he jumps down in chapter 3 where the Jews thought they had an advantage because they were Jews and they did have much advantage. And I will tell you, brothers and sisters, I don't know if you were raised up in godly homes, you have much advantage. But don't take advantage of that advantage. Don't take it for granted. We've, we, see, we see of that a lot, you know, that, that you actually come up in, in Christian homes, you're raised up, and, and, and many of them will actually have the thought pattern, I really was never that bad. Well, that's not from God. That's not from God. You have to understand that you are born, uh, that the Spirit, you are born empty here, you are born depraved here, and you are in need of the Spirit of God to break through the body and the soul and enter into the very spirit of man. And now the Spirit of God will not move in here to share His glory with the Spirit of man. The Spirit of man will have to be moved out, moved away, not away, not gone. I don't believe in the, uh, the total... Uh, uh, Help me the word there. I'm not sure. Not really depravity. Eradication. I don't believe in the eradication of the, of the old man where he is totally gone out of the way. He is always there as long as I live in this body, by the way, which is not my own. You don't own the body you live in. That's just a tent. That's just a tabernacle. That's just for a little time. And we live inside of here, but the Spirit of God, He attempts, He, he, will, he will first... Knock on the outside, but his, 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 his intent is to break through and get to the spirit of man and take control of that area. And I'm a firm believer, once he can move in here and take control, the rest is going to be worked out right. I believe that. It starts there, but way too often we start on the outside. We start putting, attempting to put that cloak, we attempt to fix it up, and, and, but it's nothing like we, we, we hear the term, well, just try to do better. You're right. Repent. That's what God's what the message is. Repent. Turn from your wicked ways. And <clears throat> so, in, in uh, moving on that, we have, uh, uh, again, you have much advantage of being raised in a Christian home. Just don't take that for granted. Realize that without, without Christ, 
When, without Christ, you come before the judge without Christ on that day. You do need a representative when you die. If you, die, if you would die tonight, if I would die tonight, I need someone to present me before the throne of God. You know, when a person, when a saint dies, what, what happened when Stephen died? What do you see when he looked up into the heavens? Where was Jesus? Setting or standing? Standing. And brothers and sisters, that's exactly what he does. He will stand up to receive that saint and to take him over and to present him to the Father. And he is the only advocate. He is the only propitiation, the only one that is able to do this to present you faultless, spotless, blameless, without rebuke before and holy God. That's, that's the only way it works. It doesn't work any other way. And if we come in here and we come and we die and we don't have that advocate, we don't have that propitiator, we don't have the mediator, we don't have Jesus Christ, and we come and, and you see this in the great white throne judgment in Revelations 20 where millions are going to come before Him and try to appeal and say, Lord, we, we, look what we, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. There, because there is no image of God around them. They are not enshrouded in the image of the Son of God. They have not been molded into the image of Christ. They are naked. They are exposed. And God says, I, I don't know you. I never knew you. Depart from me. <clears throat> One of the things I fear, you know, we read, in, we read where they, many will say, Lord, Lord. Did we not? Who are these? Are they uh, in the midst of Seattle? Are they? Wh wh who are these people? Many people who go through church doors every Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning. Maybe even Wednesday evenings. Fixed up on the outside with an empty spirit. But, the only reason they can hide is we think, well, there are members here. Yeah, we know he has this problem, but his heart's good. Really? No, his heart isn't good. Out of the abundance of the heart, the spirit, the mouth speaketh. You know? And, and, and that what we see coming out is coming from somewhere. And, and so we, we look at this, and, and, and here is the conclusion. Here is the supporting evidence of the judge in the courtroom of God. He starts in verse, nine, verse 10, he, and here every one of these charges are taking, taken out of the Old Testament. Listen to them. You can look at them, look them up where they're at. The first one is, as it is written, God's conclusion, the judge's conclusion, there is none righteous, no, not one. No man can come before me on his own and be right before me, not one. Is that a truth? Amen. Amen. We cannot. The next one he says, 
There is none that understandeth. Again, Old Testament writing. There is none that seeketh after God. Look at the, look at the words here. They are all gone out of the way. You see, Isaiah says, All we like sheep have gone astray, each in his own way. In the time of the judges, one of the saddest statements in, that, in, in the judges over and over again, each man done what seemeth to be right in his own eyes. Now, catch that. It doesn't say each man done what he thought was wrong in his own eyes. It's right. <clears throat> Go into your communities. And you will find very few that will say, well, I'm going to hell anyway, so it doesn't matter. Most people somehow believe that it's all going to come out all right. Somehow. They're altogether become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat, look what he says about what comes out of the mouth. Their throat, the words they speak, is like an open grave. The grave itself doesn't stink, but the contents inside. With their tongues they have deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Poisonous snakes have fangs that fold back into their mouth when they close their mouth. These fangs are hollow. They're about that long. When he snaps, he opens his mouth and the fangs snap out. And above this fang is a little bag of poison. And the moment he puts them fangs into the victim, the poison is injected through the fangs. It's all done in a blink of an eye. And, but it's done. And if the person doesn't do something, he's going to die. If the victim doesn't do something, they're going to die. So that he, Paul says he brings it out like that. That's the, the kind of words that are coming out of their mouth. There's, there's poison. There's poison. Their, their utter bitterness, their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Murder, their feet are swift to shed blood. The first sin separated man from God. The second sin separated man from man, or Cain killed his brother. Murder was very early in mankind. It says, the way of destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes, and we're seeing a lot of that today. No fear of God, no fear of nothing, fear not man, we just go on. Um, a lot could be said on that. Here's God's conclusion in the courthouse. He says, now we know that whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth be stopped, and the world plead guilty before God. Will you plead guilty, or will you continue to appeal? Men live 70 and 80 years appealing to God. I'm trying to do better. I hope I remembered all my sins. Goes on and die and go to a Christless grave. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. <clears throat> Next word we'll talk about tomorrow night is but. But now. <clears throat>
So God bless you. I, I know it was a little bit on the negative side tonight, but one thing I thought about just a little bit in closing, and the point I want to bring out is this. Again, I trust that you young men and young ladies are born again. I trust that you are in the kingdom of Christ. Now, what really struck me on Romans 1, 18 through 32 was this. Let's not compare ourselves with the heathen out there, but let's take these verses and lay your life right alongside of it. And get a new appreciation for salvation. Because, brothers and sisters, but by the grace of God, there you go. But by the grace of God, there go I. As a 15 and 16 year old young boy, my, my, my vision was Nashville, Tennessee, the country music star. That's where I was going with all my heart. But God never allowed it. But by His grace, there go I. It's only when God intercedes, and, and, and man is absolutely unable to save himself, and that's what we find out the rest of chapter 3 in Romans. But now, God interceded. And if God doesn't save, you're not saved. He has to save. <clears throat> I'm going to let the brother conclude tonight. I, don't, uh, I feel that uh, tonight is more of an informative information type night. But it's, and, and I, all, I, all I can say with a message like this, I, I, I know we, we need to bring it out for a new pre appreciation for salvation. We have to be reminded of this. The depravity of man in and of himself. It will help us to share with those who are lost but it will help us appreciate what God has done in our life in a new way.